Hello and welcome to Pound the Rock, an NBA podcast by The Score. I'm your host, William Liu. I'm joined in studio by my fellow co-host, Jessica Sharo. What's up? Joe Wolfon. What's going on, man? Wow, we switched it up. Usually I'm what's going on and you're what's up. We're all messed up. we got NBA games to talk yeah. about now, actual NBA games. So, you know, yeah. we're, uh, we're discombobulated. Um, the biggest story so far of the season, a little bit unexpected. I mean, we knew LeBron was going to be at the focus of it, but, I mean, it involved the Rockets and it involved the Lakers, and somehow LeBron was really just a tangential figure to all of it because uh, Chris Paul and Rajon Rondo stole the show by having a little... Um, you know, as far as NBA fights go, this is pretty good. As far as NBA fights go, it involves a little bit of spitting. It involves a little bit of eye gouging. Actual big names, too. Actual big names. Brandon Ingram throwing a random punch for no reason. So let's start there. The NBA's already decided um, on its punishment. Uh, Chris Paul is already serving the first of a two-game suspension. Rajon Rondo suspended for three games. This is the seventh time in his career that he's suspended, by the way. Uh, and then Brandon Ingram gets four games for kind of inciting the whole thing and then joining the fracas with that random punch. Um I mean, just put some context out there. I mean, CP3 and Rajon Rondo has obviously had some bad blood going back to as early as 2008 when CP uh, beat out Rondo for a spot on the Olympic team. That was the Redeem team uh, that uh, featured Kobe and, and LeBron or whatever. CP was on that team. Uh, and then even later on, I mean, CP kind of talked trash about Rondo not being worth his contract and stuff like that. So they've had a feud for going on a long time. Um, Cash, I'll start with you. What did you make of the fight? Um and who do you think comes out looking worse between Rondo and CP here? I I think you have to go Rondo because I think anytime you resort to spitting yeah. at someone, you end up looking worse. Like I, I think that those are just the rules of humanity. Having said that, um, like Chris Paul's is your reaction to getting spit on by another dude literally just to poke him in the face like yeah. like like a kindergartner that's what i thought was weird like yo chris paul i get it. if you get if you're like jawing with a guy and he spits in your face a normal reaction you might throw a punch or something and i feel like mm-hmm. you know we're not condoning that but it's understandable someone just spit in your face or try to but if someone like spits in your face your reaction is to kind of like poke his cheek and like rub your finger along his face yeah. and then kind of like mean mug him and then you end up part. so you get spit spit at and then you also take the first punch yeah it's like rondo looks worse just like from a human standpoint but yeah. in terms of like tough guyness chris paul definitely looks worse <sighs> like you got spat at and then yeah. took the first punch like your only response was i'm gonna poke you in the face until you punch me yeah, I don't know, man. We're getting into dangerous territory here where we're, like, glorifying the guy who threw the first punch mm. and, like, uh, you know, like, dumping on Chris Paul for getting spit on and punched and not, like, <laughs> being the guy to swing first. The eye gouge um, is a weak move, though. The, yeah, like, he, I gouge, that's a pretty cheap move. Yeah. I mean, if you get spit on, like, you know, it's kind of like one bad turn deserves another. But uh-huh. but what I'm saying is, like, I'm not, I'm not saying, oh, like, the guy who threw the first punch is in the right. I, I'm just saying, like, if... If you're going to react physically to getting spit in the face, like if you want to do the whole turn the other cheek thing, fine. You're a greater man than we are, but then just walk away. Don't be like, well, I'm not going to throw a punch, but I'm going to poke your face and poke you in the eye. Well, I think it's about proportionality. You know what I mean? Like you you get spit on, it's like, okay, how do I react in a way that is proportional to what has just happened to me? And it's like, it's like extremely disrespectful, right? Yeah, definitely. And Although, by the way, I don't know how much spit actually came across because you've seen like the, the Zapruder thing. Like, I, yeah, the, it's like a it small was, amount. There's a mouth guard in your mouth. It's it was more like a spray or a sprinkle than like yeah. a spit. 
I've had it really hard to discern whether he had actually spit. Like even Time in the like play the game. <laughs> um, um, sorry, no, it's all good. <laughs> um, but even in that like like super close up frame by frame like Zap Bruder film that the the NBA was supposedly analyzing to determine the punishment here it was like very very discreet. I mean, like, I almost want to give props to Rajon for, like, if he intended to spit on him, like, yeah. doing it in, like, possibly the most discreet fashion imaginable, because it was really hard to catch, um, even in, like, super-duper slow-mo. Also, so, go ahead. I was going to say, also, can we just, you're like, listen, we all love CP, but can we acknowledge, even when it comes to getting spit on, the man still flops? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because he, he sold that, he sold that. Oh, absolutely. And then, and then he went right over to the broadcast booth being like, you spit on me, you spit on me. Yeah. I mean, the whole, honestly, man, I mean, Chris Paul is obviously a great player and everything like that, but he has this, like, petulant streak that we've seen. Like, it does manifest in a couple of places. And so, like, I think to some players in the league, it's probably a little bit satisfying. Like, I'm sure DeMarcus Cousins loved it. I'm sure, like, Paul, Paul Gasol loved it. Like, if you're going to beef with Paul Gasol, that's weird. Um, but... One thing I did notice from the entire fight, I mean, like, the Brandon Ingram thing, he just kind of overreacted the whole situation, right? Like, he, he lost his cool, like, it was a bad foul call on him. Like, it's like James Harden is going to do that to some people. But, like, no one pushes James Harden for it, right? That's just It's just kind of the referee's fault, right? So, um, for him to sort of, like, escalate, escalate the whole thing and start it and then to come back with that random punch is strange. But I also noticed that, like, LeBron's reaction was just to go hug CP, his best friend, and just, like, take him out of the fray instead of... I don't know, maybe backing up his teammate or anything like that. I mean, like, typically speaking, you let your own team grab your own teammates uh, and then you hold them back. You don't really go to the other team, but clearly there's a connection there that's, you know, beyond LeBron's devotion to the Lakers. Yeah, also, like, I don't know, going back to the whole, like, Zapruder thing, if you want, it's not like, it's not like LeBron, like, went out of his way to, like, push his own teammates or something and then grab CP. Like, yeah. like based on where he was positioned, it actually made sense for him to grab CP and yeah, like they are, you know. He grabbed onto CP like uh, when they're on the banana boat together. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying, right? They're part of that banana boat crew. <laughs> Actually, Wade was the only non-banana boat member uh, not in this game. The only banana boat member not in this game. But yeah, like I, I don't think it's as bad as everyone's making it seem. I think it actually made sense for LeBron to grab Paul based on where they were both positioned. Yeah, and, they were right beside. And him. he's got a relationship with him. Like I, I didn't see it as a yo, I've got your back instead of my teammates. I just mm-hmm. saw it as like LeBron, as usual, being the smart one in a basketball circle, being like, you know what, let's not do this, guys. Yeah. You think Rondo though, like considering yeah. how much he dislikes CP. No. Might look into that because Rondo's kind of wired differently than everyone else. Maybe, but I don't know, man. I, but okay. the Rondo CP thing, like the whole like decade long feud, it is very yeah. interesting because back when it when it first started, remember there was all that talk that like, so like Rondo talks a lot of trash, always has, and it's yeah, sure. back in those Celtics days, that team talked a lot oh, of trash, and I remember like back then the talk was that like CP was annoyed that Rondo because he was part of that team, like, Rondo had a right to talk trash, and CP looked at it as like, yo, you don't have a right. Like, okay, you got yeah. a ring with these dudes, but do you really think you can, like, hold my jockstrap as a point guard? Yeah. And Rondo looked at it the other way, like, yo, I got a ring, CP. Yeah. Like, you haven't won-ish. Like, so I, it's a very interesting feud, and it's, look, it's very rare in the NBA and professional sports. Like, you've got, like, a decade-long mm-hmm. feud between yep. these dudes that finally kind of bubbled over. Yeah, and also let's just, like, appreciate the position LeBron was in, right? Like, on the one hand, he's got basically his best friend in the game. And on the other, he has a guy who's, like, just joined his team Mm -hmm. who, I mean, 
I don't know, like, if they get along off the court, but, like, definitely, like, two strong personalities who could probably, like, clash pretty hard. Also, Rondo's worn some t-shirts with LeBron slogans on them. I'll just, just go look it up. That's all. Like, if... Yeah. Yeah. If if uh, the Raptors were playing the Spurs, mm-hmm. and, like, DeMar and Kawhi got into it, like, wow. who do you think Lowry was, like, gonna go to to restrain first? Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're obviously... Probably have a better basketball. chance of physically restraining DeMar than he would Kawhi, but you know what I'm saying. Mm, that's true. <laughs> I no. would. It's hard to imagine Kawhi in a fight. He's so emotionless. The, the, <laughs> and also, you know, Kawhi's not a referee, so I don't think DeMar's going to have any issues with him. As <laughs> as much as, like, we do... Like, like, we can find, like, the lighthearted angle in this, you know, no one got hurt or whatever, I do think... Um, I think Ingram got four games. He should have got way more. Like, you can make the argument they all should have got more, first yeah, of all. Yeah, like, yeah. real punchers were thrown, especially Ron with the spinning, but, like... What Ingram did was the most dangerous out of all. Like, yeah. he came in from behind, completely tried to sucker punch yeah. someone, and, like, threw a hard punch. Like, luckily didn't yeah. connect full blast. But, like, you can do some serious damage. Like, forget just physical damage. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying you can kill someone. Like, you it's, can, you can like, concuss somebody. You can, you can really give them brain damage if you connect squarely enough, like, with their the side of their head or the back of yeah. their head. So what he did, I thought, four games was nowhere near enough. Especially since... His punk move of like shoving hard and like the way he it kind of is what instigated everything. Exactly. Well, I think yeah, that's why he got the harshest punishment out of anybody. But I think you could argue it should have been more. Um, I don't know. We don't need to litigate it right now. It's like <laughs> it's kind of pointless. But right. um, I think he arguably came out of this looking worse than anybody. Yeah, for sure. He basically pulled one mellow pull back in the garden, right? Like when he was still on the on the on the Nuggets and. Uh, there was that fight that broke out of the garden. Like, Melo threw that one punch and then, like, backpedaled the entire court yeah. faster than he I, ever has done on defense, by I, the way. I still say the Melo <laughs> one was way games. worse because Melo straight up ran away. Like, <laughs> no, you, like, you can make the argument that Ingram, Ingram wasn't, like, ready to fight after right. doing that, but, like, right. Melo physically ran away. Like, yeah. punched a, sucker punched a dude when the guy had no chance to defend himself and then ran away before he would have to yeah. answer for his actions. Like, never forget that about Carmelo Anthony. It, that begs another question. You never want to answer why the, why stars love Carmelo so much, but I don't know. Do you think that like LeBron in at any point during this whole fracas was just, like kind of thinking like, man, what am I doing here? Like, like why did <laughs> I do this? Probably. Why am I playing with these dudes? But you know what? Space Jam Two here's better the thing, be a hit though. But here's the thing though. Like, if it had been one of the guys you'd expect, like whether it's like Javale, Lance Stevenson, um, you know, whoever, like. You could say, oh, I'd expect that from those guys. But the fact that it was like Ingram and even Rondo to a certain extent. Rondo could be a bit of a crap disturber, but I don't think we've ever seen him like this. So even that, I don't I don't know how much LeBron can really think that. Because mm-hmm. were Ingram and Rondo really the supposed question marks for this team? Like, Well, yeah. that makes it even worse, though. Because like, you know that at some point during this season, like Lance is going to pull some stuff. Oh, yeah. Give, give Lance you know, credit, like, man. He was know. in the locker room after the game. Lance was the only peacemaker. <laughs> Yo, did, you, did you guys see Lance's postgame? No, when he was like, come on, guys. No one really wants to fight. We're just out here trying to win basketball games. I just want to play basketball. I don't want to fight. Like Lance is, yeah. Lance is like, I, I, look, I'm on a one-year deal. I'm on a minimum. <laughs> like, yo, please. I don't, I don't need to be involved in anything like this. Just go um, watch the score X. Yeah, there you go. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's a whole messy thing. And I'm, I'm, I think it really does set the tone for another, like, interesting rivalry. Like, I mean, look, last year uh, the Rockets had a, you know, huge beef with the Clippers. And, you know, that was sort of stemming from Austin Rivers and the, the Chris Paul connection. I mean, now there's another layer of intrigue to that, right? Like, it's it's just, it's more fun. It's more fun this way. Um, 
uh, speaking to the basketball portion of what the the Lakers have been so far, they're winless so far. It's 0-2. Not a big deal, although they they have some issues, right? And I think the, the three issues that I'm looking at right now with the Lakers so far is that, one, their small ball lineups are terrible. When Kyle Kuzma plays center, they are minus 19 in 21 minutes. That's not good at all. Um, JaVale McGee is... You, you could probably say JaVale McGee's been their second best player, okay? JaVale is averaging 14.7 rebounds, four blocks, in about 20 minutes a game. Hyper-efficient. Um, but, I mean, this is JaVale McGee we're talking about. He should not be the second best player. And I think that what that illustrates is that, like, there has not been a second guy for the Lakers that has, you know, emerged, right? Like, LeBron's going to be LeBron every night. Who is the second guy that comes out? We're not really sure. And then the third thing is their three-point shooting just sucks, man. It just really, really sucks. I think they missed, like, 15 straight against um, um, the uh, Portland Trailblazers in their first game. And Nick, Nick Stauskas could have been the best shooter on their team. Um, and I think right now the Lakers, through two games, are 15 for 62 from deep. So, obviously, that's really tough. Um, which one of these three issues do you see as uh, season-long trends? Uh, I think the the small ball lineups thing probably just because – the the three point shooting will stabilize. I don't. They're probably going to be in like the bottom half of the league in three point efficiency, but like they're not going to shoot this poorly. Right. They do have like a few solid three point shooters. Like Ingram shot like what thirty nine percent last year. Yeah. Um. Josh Hart has looked great, and like he can yeah, definitely shoot the ball. Yeah. Uh, Lonzo shot four of eight yeah. from deep last game. Like KCP can't do much, but shooting is one thing he can do. KCP and 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 LeBron. Yeah. I mean, LeBron's looked really bad shooting the ball the first couple of games, but. Ultimately, like he's going to settle in around like thirty five, thirty six percent from deep. So he was really good at shooting last year. Yeah, LeBron. and he has been like for the last like eight or nine years. You know, like right. he has been like at least league average shooting the three. So I think eventually, you know, they're going to be at least respectable in that regard. But the the we've talked about this a lot. Like their lack of quality bigs is like a serious issue, and we knew that playing Kuzma at the five for like big minutes was not going to be a viable solution. And I think that's borne out. Like he, the guy cannot protect the rim. He is also like not especially good at defending in space. So like, what are you really gaining by having him at center? Like ideally he is going to be able to punish like fives at the other end by stretching them out. But I don't think he's really proven that he can do that either. Like I think there were a couple like promising stretches mm-hmm. um, early in that Blazers game. Like he had a nice stop on Nurkic at one end, and then like burned him at the other end with like a couple nice up fakes under the rim. But I, I just don't think he's like a good enough offensive player to really justify what you're giving back at the defensive end. I think one thing to like I, the issues that they've um, shown that have been exposed in the first two games are issues I think we knew they'd have even the shooting again like Joe mentioned they have some solid shooters I think it'll it'll um, tick trend upwards but they're not going to be a great shooting team we knew this um, defensively they've got a lot of question marks um, they don't have many big men at all like JaVale McGee those 20 minutes that he's playing right now like you they mentioned how they need all 20 of those and now they got to fill 28 other minutes some of that can be with small ball but not much of it can be because we see what their small ball lineup looks like so I think if, if you just want to keep it in perspective, given that everything that's gone wrong so far is what we expected, they played two games and they weren't favored in either of them. Like, um, sure, I think I think they're better than Portland top to bottom, but it's in Portland to start the season. Like, Portland's at home, they were favored. Then they play the Rockets. Rockets haven't looked great yet, but I don't think anyone's picking the Lakers to beat the Rockets. So, like, we'll see. Tonight they've got a home game against the Spurs, which is kind of a pick I think the Lakers are favored by one, but, like, 
if they had dropped two much more winnable games, I think it would be a bigger issue. They've mm-hmm. lost two games that, quite frankly, I expected them to lose right now. So I'm not going to be so worried when these issues that we knew existed are kind of coming to the forefront. Yeah. LeBron teams also have a history of kind of starting out slow, right? When yeah. he first joins the team. Like, I think there's always going to be like a bit of a feeling out process. And he's not the easiest guy to get used to playing with. So I do think they're going to have some issues. But it, the... the the lack of reliable big men thing is something that I feel like they need to address because even JaVale, as well as he has played, is not a good pick and roll defender. No. And, you know, until they, until they figure that out, like, or at least like come up with a more viable strategy for what they're going to do at that position, I feel like they're going to have to fit, like, they're going to have big issues at the defensive end of the floor. And, like, their defense does not look good. Yeah. Um, I'm a little bit surprised as to how much nuance the Lakers have been receiving in terms of just, like, People are not overreacting to an 0-2 start, which is, you know, I mean, I think you could choose to. I think you could be choose to uh, be facetious in doing it, and, you know, you're kind of, you know, people are pessimistic on behalf of LeBron, right? And people have made entire careers off picking on LeBron. So far, from what I've seen, like, they're not really facing much heat, which I think speaks to the fact that everyone has reason expectations for the Lakers this year. Like, they're a good team. Um, obviously because they have LeBron, but they need some more pieces to actually get there. And to be honest, if this stuff continues, which I think a lot of the stuff does speak to the roster, like the fact that they don't have bigs, their shooters are a little bit inconsistent, um, and, you know, I, they could just definitely use some more bigs. Like, they'll probably fix those. That's, those are the stuff that they're going to try to address during the, the trade deadline and the veteran buyout market and stuff like that. But uh, for the moment, the Lakers, you know, they are what they are. They're going to be not, like, a dominant team, but I think we all expected that. One team that we did expect to be dominant was the Boston Celtics. Um, thus far, they haven't quite been that. I mean, they looked great on opening night, um, taking down the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, but then they lost to the Toronto Raptors uh, on Friday. That was a big ESPN game. Um, it was a tight game throughout. It was played in Toronto, but uh, the Raptors had a 10-0 run. Uh, late in the fourth quarter there to pull away. And then the Celtics barely squeaked by the uh, New York Knicks the next night, which is uh, not great. But um, what are you guys seeing from the Celtics uh, that maybe concerns you a little bit or maybe that ne- they need to improve upon? Because I think there is a bit of sense of disappointment in Boston at the moment. Look, I think Kyrie hasn't shot the ball well, hasn't played well at all. Um, Tatum's looked great, though. Hayward has looked rusty and not like... I don't know how much cause for concern there is here. Like they beat the Sixers pretty handily. They lost in Toronto. That's again, you know, like that's a yeah, it's a fifty fifty game. Exactly. Really, and right? it's on the road, so that's not and even the Knicks game, like they rested Hayward and they were on the second night of a back to back in New York. They came away with the win. They did they played like one tenth of to their one tenth of their abilities and still came away with the win. So I think you take it. It's week one. I don't think too much should be read into it. And, you know, like Kyrie's not gonna shoot this poorly. Um, yeah, you, you got it here. He's averaging 15 points on 34% shooting. Like, we know that's not going to continue. And even if Hayward continues to be rusty for a while, like, Jason Tatum looks great right now. Yeah, I also thought Hayward looked way better in the second game. Than yeah, he, he looked really good against Toronto. Um, so, you know, I have faith that he's going to round back into form eventually. Um, and Kyrie, man, like... I don't know. Like, how much is this knee injury, like, really affecting him? How much is just him kind of, like, going through a slump right now? I'm not sure, but, like, I don't expect him to struggle like this all season long. And I think that that has probably been, the, like, the biggest issue for them mm-hmm. these first three games. Like, he's just been bad. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I wanted to see a little bit more from Kyrie is, like, the shooting is going to come and go. Like, I think a lot of the, the early shooting numbers right now are from that, uh, that Sixers game where he literally couldn't shoot at all. Um, 
But one thing I wanted to see more from Kyrie was like, like setting up his teammates. You know what I mean? I think he's done an okay job of that, but I really want him to, for him to come out this season. And he's never really been a high assist guy. He's always been a score first kind of point guard, but like he has that playmaking ability within him. And with so many pieces on the roster, like you look at the way Tatum started, I think Jalen Brown is also a guy that can get it going as well. Um, Rozier's been sharp off the bench. I mean, Al Horford's been steady as he always is. Like, I want to see Kyrie get up to like eight, maybe even nine assists. Like, I think that's completely doable within this team. And right now, his mentality is still just to get his own at the moment, which is, you know, what you're supposed to do as a number one guy. You got to be aggressive. But um, I, I just want to see better playmaking from Kyrie. Um, and then as for the rest of the roster, I think. I mean, they're they're good, right? But I think we're just kind of forgetting that, like, this team wasn't elite offensively last year. And I think the way they were thought about was, like, everyone on that team can create and everyone can attack. But, like, if you really watch them play, they really hunt for a lot of mismatch long twos, which look nice when, like, um, Jason Tatum drops Joel Embiid and, and scores his jumper. But, like, for the most part, that's not a great shot, right? And so they were 18th on offense last year. They should be better with... Um, uh, more games you would think from Kyrie and obviously more games from Hayward but uh, there's still some kinks that gotta work out for yeah. sure they shot a ton of uh, mid-range jumpers against the Sixers and they made them at a high rate yeah. which is you know big reason they won that game um, and the, the one thing from Kyrie too is like he has just been settling for like a lot of jump shots and he's yeah. not like you haven't seen that explosiveness from him where he's just like dancing with dudes and getting to the rim at will like he hasn't really been getting to the rim no and, like very few free throws which yeah. is very strange because this That's year they're calling where, everything that affects him as a facilitator too right like you hope to see him kind of drive and kick and, and sort of initiate the offense that way but for him it's like kind of been like looking to get to a spot for a jumper and not necessarily looking to get to the rim that's where like my eyebrows would go up in terms of like questioning how healthy he is and what that knee is feeling like right now because like we talked about the things with the lakers where like none of that surprises us um even the Kyrie stuff like we expect him to shoot better but things like his ability to like uh cut through a defense get to the line kick it out like those are staples of Kyrie's game uh and if he can't do it that does affect the other parts of his game and you know how he's shooting from other areas so like yeah, of all the things we talked about, I think that's actually the one thing to watch because, you know, he had a procedure on that knee not that long ago, and mm-hmm. he, he needs his explosiveness. Yeah, I mean, right now he's at nine free throw attempts for three games, so three a game. That's not very good for what Kyrie is um, normally going to be at. And so I, I think the Celtics are, are going to be a little bit more of a work in progress than sort of people kind of initially anticipate. And I think if anyone's really disappointed in Boston right now, it's really just because this team got um, – not too much hype, but, like, it was so universal in the praise for the Celtics that I think everyone was expecting this, like, tremendous year. And, of course, they can still have a tremendous year. It's only been three games, and they've won two of them. They're a work in progress. Yeah, and the one thing I caution, too, is, like, I tell people this all the time, but you should try to imagine when you're watching opening week of, like, try to imagine if that week was at any other point in the season. So not to read too much into it just because there's no other sample size. You know, if the Celtics had gone... 2-1 and one, uh, against the Sixers, Raptors, and Knicks in December or January, mm-hmm. you're not raising your eyebrows at it, right? But yeah. when it's the opening week and it's the only thing you have to go by, you kind of read into it a little too much. It's good wisdom. However, in the second half of this podcast, we are going to overreact to some of the great starts that some other teams have had around the league. Hey listeners, a friendly reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to Pound the Rock on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. We also urge you to check out our other shows on the Scores Podcast Network. For baseball fans, there's Expand the Zone, Sweeper Keeper, covers the world of soccer, and there's the Fantasy Football Podcast with Justin Boone. Please also download the Score app where you can
can find all our feature content, live scores, and the most up-to-date breaking news. Thank you, and back to Pound the Rock. All right, welcome back to Pound the Rock. On the second half of the podcast, we are going to look at some of the positives around the league. Some teams are doing really well, um, starting with the Denver Nuggets. Number one in defense, baby, (laughs) just like we all anticipated. Yep, for sure. (laughs) Um, Just beat the Warriors. Yeah, they've looked great. I mean, Jokic has looked unbelievable, Mm -hmm. like otherworldly. And Gary Harris, I think, has been, like, really exceptional in these first three games. Like, we have talked about what he can do off the ball, but I I think he's looked a lot more comfortable with the ball in his hands um, and having, like, a little bit more freedom to create. And, you know, he matched up with Klay Thompson in last night's game against the Warriors. I thought he handily won that matchup. So, uh, like, I mean... I don't know. I just like I said before the season started. I think that they their roster fits together really, really nicely. Having Millsap back obviously is going to be a boon to their defense, and that's shown through so far. And I mean, if Jokic can just like continue doing what he's doing, this is going to be a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, look, um, for my money, Jokic has been as good, uh, if not better, than anyone in the league through one week. The guy posted a perfect triple double, and not like a perfect like ten, ten, and ten. You know what was it? It was uh... I think thirty-five, eleven, and eleven. Jeez. On on eleven of eleven shooting, yeah, it was thirty five, twelve, and eleven with four steals and a block, yeah. <laughs> zero turnovers to go with eleven, eleven shooting, and then the next night comes back with a ho hum twenty one, eight and five on six to thirteen shooting. Like the guy's playing out of his mind, and then the surprising thing is how well he's defended. Again, it's it's a very small sample size. For we sure. don't expect that to continue, but he's looked pretty good on the defensive end. Some of that has been the matchups he's had. He hasn't exactly played against a world beater in the middle yet but i was so entertained watching him clown deandre ayton on saturday look like i yeah you know deandre ayton's gonna be really good will thinks he's the next david robinson but uh, i didn't even see the first one so i'm hoping i'm looking forward to that second one. but no it, it was like pretty comical to watch Jokic just like absolutely clown a rookie on saturday night and ayton ayton looked so perplexed like he just had no answers yeah. he it's honestly like he had never seen this before like he had never seen that combination of like size and skills before and yeah you, you could just see he was dumbfounded in fairness to Aiden Jokic also clowned Tyson Chandler like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, nobody was stopping him on that night I don't think but yeah um that's Aiden was obviously like supremely overmatched in that one after like having a pretty good showing against DeAndre Jordan in uh his opening game you, you guys think the Will Barton injury matters much it's really discouraging man it really is but i mean like also like scoring is the one area where they could maybe um take a bit of a hit i just think i'm a little bit concerned about their depth like i I need to see a lot more like wancho hernan gomez step up which like i mean yeah he had that game saving block against the warriors to um preserve the win there um but i mean he's not really a guy that's had a lot of consistent minutes and they're not necessarily that deep on the wing so that's where they might feel the injury yeah, like we talked about it in the last couple of years. They almost had too many options from alone to play with, right? And you had like Wilson Chandler in there and whoever else and, and even uh, Farid as part mm-hmm. of their big rotation. And now they've kind of gone the opposite way. Well, I think the, the roster like fits better together. It's a little cleaner. But then you get an injury in opening week, yeah. which looked pretty bad. They're calling it just a strain. Uh, obviously, strains can be of varying degrees, so he could still be out a long time. But yeah, now all of a sudden you start losing pieces and that depth gets exposed, especially with Isaiah still out. We don't know when he's coming back. Yeah, it's a short rotation. And they've always, their depth has always been great in the front court, but the, the wing depth hasn't been particularly good. And they especially don't have any like big wings like yeah. Will Burton. That's where um, they might have regretted dumping a guy like Wilson Chandler. I mean, like they salary dumped him because they, they're a small market franchise. They don't want to pay the tax, but 
Yeah. Still, Wilson, Wilson Chandler is also injured right now, though. Yeah. So that is true. That is true. <laughs> um, He's on the Sixers, though. Anytime you join the Sixers, you have to be hurt for at least like two weeks. Yeah, it's actually it's really a rule. It's in, <laughs> it's in the CBA. Um, but yeah, I mean they're they're gonna have to give a lot of minutes to like Tory Craig. Yeah, know? like they just don't have a, a ton of other options on the wing. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they can stay afloat. But honestly, like the way Gary Harris has played, like I am not too worried about it just because. He's looked good at both ends of the floor. And Jamal Murray hasn't really hit his stride yet either. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Jamal Murray and Paul Millsap both shooting 30% at the moment. There you go. So once those guys actually get their shots going, I mean, you would probably expect Jokic to not shoot 63% all year, but I don't know, man. Jokic is pretty good. Uh, I'll just say, like, the Warriors, I think, had, like, a lot of success. Obviously, Curry is, like, nobody's going to be able to defend him adequately, but, um, like, just kind of, like, running Murray and Jokic through pick and roll uh, with Steph as the ball handler, like, they're wasn't really anything Denver could do and that worries me a bit even though their defense has been so solid through three games like starting both Murray and Jokic is like a bit of a danger zone Uh, another team playing really well in the Eastern Conference right now is the uh, Milwaukee Bucks yes indeed yeah averaging 43 pointers a game so far it's obviously only been two games but we wanted to see whether that trend from preseason was going to carry over oh it's carried over man uh it absolutely has they're shooting a ton of threes spreading the floor around Giannis um Giannis's usage rate is up at like 40 percent and he's turned the ball over a ton and is 0 for 10 from three so you know that three-point shot is like coming along pretty slowly it seems uh, just the jumper in general. He's also shooting like 60% from the line. Like his efficiency hasn't been great, but he's also averaging like 17 rebounds a game um, and has been a force defensively. So I think I'm not too concerned about it. And ultimately, like having him operate in space surrounded by shooters is going to be a winning formula. So um, I think they haven't played anyone especially good, but they did have a pretty convincing win over the Pacers. So um, that's encouraging. And uh, I think just. I know, like, their offense is going to be healthier with Bud at the helm, but I'm almost, like, more interested to see, like, whether the defense can make that leap because they have the personnel to do it. And the fact that they've been, like, bottom 10 defensively in some of these seasons with Giannis and Middleton on the team is, like, kind of inexcusable. Yeah, I know it's only been a couple games. Like, you mentioned the defense and how well Giannis himself is defending. And, like, watching him in the clips I've seen so far, it reminds... Like, I'm not going to say he's, like, full-blown Kawhi Leonard, but you think back to, like, Kawhi won two defensive player of the year in a row as a wing defender like to me Giannis has that in them I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Giannis is in the defensive player of the year conversations this year if he defends anything like this over six months like he's going to be in that race the other thing I was gonna mention with the Bucks is like people talk about spacing all the time like oh this guy added to this team will help spacing or coach Bud's gonna help spacing and like yeah we know it works but I don't know if I ever remember actually like visually being able to see a difference on the court like I have with this Bucks team it actually looks like you know when like you're used to a room for so long it's got like a piece of furniture in it mm-hmm. and then you like move that frame you're like wow this like I never realized this room was so big like that's yeah, yeah. actually what it looks like watching the Bucks right now they it actually looks like the court is bigger for Giannis I've never seen this like visually such a clear indication of more space and on the, like at the other end they've kind of done the opposite like they've shrunk the court by yeah. sort of like not just like over aggressively blitzing these pick and rolls and like opening up space for other teams to just swing the ball around and like get open corner threes or get shots at the rim like uh they're defending like with a bit of a more conservative scheme and like the amount of space that Giannis can cover you know when he's not like roving out like past the three-point line and it's kind of like hanging back a little bit more but like um can kind of just like leap out at anybody at any time like they you know are taking space away from other teams so I think 
look, we knew that like the, the buttonholes in our hire was going to be a good thing and uh, was going to unlock a lot of stuff that this team had kind of been uh, missing the past couple of years. Um, I'm just excited to see them like start to play elite competition and, and see whether they can keep it up. Yeah, I also um, I really like the way they've uh, aligned their backcourt. So they have Brogdon and Bledsoe both in the starting lineup right now and I think it's just given them more playmaking right like I thought Brogdon was really criminally underused last year after you know I mean we all clown him for that like very underwhelming rookie of the year season but he was a really like a solid player like he was like a George Hill type right and so like I feel like that's exactly what this team needs him and um, Bledsoe I think Bledsoe's actually played a little bit better too his three-point shot has been solid right now he's shooting 50% at the moment Um, but I mean they also just have more depth than before right like you're getting like actual serviceable production from like guys like Dante DiVincenzo and Ersan Ilyasova. Brooke Lopez has uh, shot the ball a little bit too much, I would say, right now. But, I mean, he's throwing up six threes a game. Like, you know, like you're, you're getting more production from the rest of the guys on that roster. And those are the kind of two issues that they've had. Like, their, their depth, in terms of just roster-wise, they've historically been a team that with this just has terrible depth, right? And, like, this year it seems like they have more contributions. And I feel like, I don't know, man. I just I just feel like Bud has got them all to buy in, and it's been really quick, and that's that's been really encouraging. Um, another team playing really well right now in New Orleans, uh, undefeated as well, um, playing at an absurd pace, and uh, their front court. I mean, Nikola Meritich is, like, probably the hottest shooter in the league at the moment. Yeah, he's dropped 30-plus in both games. I think he had, like, 35-10 and 10 one night. Like, look what this team has done. They destroyed the Rockets on opening night in Houston and then hung 149 points on the Kings. I know it's the Kings, but still, 149 points in regulation. That's nuts. Um, they're not even playing at the fastest pace right now. They're actually third in pace. The Lakers are first. True. But, like, they're still running a, a hell of a lot like we imagine they would. And it's kind of going to script the way we all talked about before the season and that, like, Anthony Davis is playing like Anthony Davis at an MVP caliber level. Miritich and Randall have been great as the second and third bigs. Drew is Drew. And then, like, they're just getting kind of enough from everyone else on the roster. Gentry's got them running, and it's super fun to watch, and they're clowning teams right now. Yeah, this is a team that can't suffer an injury, by the way. This, this, oh, they've, the rest of this roster is so, I mean, so thin. Like, two through – yeah, there are two and three guys. If they get injured, I'm not going to, you know, hope injury for any of them. But, like, it almost doesn't matter because they can just replace one sure, borderline replacement-level NBA player with another. But, obviously, out of their big four, yeah, between their, those three bigs and Drew, like, none of those guys can get hurt. Miritich also, every season, I feel like, has a two- or three-week stretch yeah. where he just looks like a legit top-ten player. Mm-hmm. And I'm not <laughs> I'm not confident that it's going to keep up for him. Like, they have shot the ball absurdly well in these two games. I think they're shooting, like, 46% from three. Like fifty six percent from the field. Yeah. Um. So obviously that's not going to continue. But um. I I always liked how the roster fit together. I really liked the Randall addition, and it is crazy because they were tops in pace last year. They're playing like seven possessions faster this year, and somehow still don't have like the fastest pace in the league. But I feel like they're playing a style that is perfectly suited to the personnel that they have, and uh, that's what good teams do. Um. Etwan Moore has been like always like I think underrated, and he's probably been like you know their most reliable wing player mm-hmm. which is maybe not great if each one more is your most reliable wing player but i do think he's underrated and actually like brings a lot to the table yeah and even a guy like alfred payton i think has fit them quite nicely here like the fact that he's averaging tw- 10 points a game on 50 percent shooting with eight rebounds and eight assists per game like that's exactly what they need alfred payton to do come in set the table basically be a discount rondo and he's done that right now um, they haven't missed Rondo too much. Um, we'll see when they start fighting people if they miss Rondo. But, but um, 
Like, look, the rest of this team, like, it's just, it makes sense, right? Like, they're playing a style that makes sense. They're playing bully ball. Like, they're one of the few teams that I can have have seen over the last two years here where they have actually been able to bully the Rockets on the inside, right? The Rockets love to go small. They love to switch everything. So they just looked at it and they're like, well, we have Anthony Davis. We have, like, Julius Randle. Well, if you want to switch, we'll create a switch. We'll create a mismatch, and then we'll attack you in the post, and we'll see what happens. And I thought Anthony Davis was phenomenal in that uh, that Rockets win. He was completely instrumental. Julius Randle was great, too. Miritich has been on fire. So they've been a real and solid team. Uh, and then the other solid team that has looked really good is the Toronto Raptors, who are 3-0. and They played a pretty jam-packed schedule to start the year. Um, playing against the three teams that they probably have the most history with in terms of uh, what they've done in the last couple of years when they've been a playoff team. Cleveland, Boston, and Washington taking down all three opponents. Cleveland obviously isn't as strong as before, but um, you know that was a plucky performance, I thought. I mean, Cleveland was surprisingly decent on opening night. Uh, but then that very emotional win against Boston, I thought it was a great moment for the organization. It was a great moment for Kawhi, I thought, because he was getting MVP chance and he was playing like an MVP and then to go on the road without Kawhi and then uh, take on the Washington Wizards and beat them on the second half of a back-to-back uh, while the Wizards were rested off two days. Like, you know, it's it's a, it's been a really nice, uh, strong start for the Raptors. Man, Raptors fans are so thirsty. I just, like... Yeah, it's, yeah. They're great, obviously. Like, an extremely, like, rabid fan base um, that, ride or, that rides or dies with their team. But, like... Man, <laughs> very thirsty. Uh, that that opening night, like I, like just like going bonkers anytime Kawhi touched the ball, MVP yeah. chance. Like he was getting MVP chance in Montreal in the preseason, but like yeah. um, to be fair, that's for one chance. Yeah. A chance also, Jokic, it, it's a bit much. Jokic and Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler in the same game, he got booed. Also got MVP chance, and Jokic got MVP chance last night. So yeah. like, it's just become a thing. Uh, yeah. I don't, I know. I don't know why it bothers me. It's just like it man, like too. just relax. You know, it's been two games. Like you can show the guy you appreciate him without like, especially no. yeah. because like. I kind of don't think Kawhi's been their best player through these first three games. Kyle Lowry has been insane. Kyle Lowry's top five player through the first week. Unbelievable. Um, Along with Miritich and and, uh, and so like, Jokic. Um, yeah, like I, I made the joke, like you know Lowry's getting MVP chance while Kawhi's at the line, but <laughs> uh, I, I wish that were actually the case. Like I wish that he was uh, getting the kind of appreciation that Kawhi was because he's he's just been like completely out of control. He was insane in that Cavs game and down the stretch of the Celtics game, like he had kind of a low key first half, and then in the fourth quarter when they went on that run, Lowry takes like two charges, makes a ridiculous pull up three, and then makes that kind of like uh, that that step back mid range jumper to basically ice the win. Yeah. Then um, in DC, went on a personal ten nothing run in the fourth quarter. Yeah. yeah. So he's looked incredible, and I feel like. Um. They like like the decision basically to allow him to run the offense a little bit more. Like last mm-hmm. season, uh, they put the ball in DeRozan's hands, and Lowry was relegated to more of an off-ball role, which is fine, uh, and it made sense because Demar in an off-ball role doesn't really work. Um, no. He kind of has to have the ball in his hands. They empowered him to be a playmaker, and I think it was a good decision for the team because DeRozan was able to expand his game. And again, like Lowry is always going to be more functional off-ball than DeRozan was, but. Now that they have Kawhi there instead of DeMar, Kawhi can play off ball and Kyle can have the ball in his hands a little bit more often. And I think that that ultimately is going to be healthier for the Raptors offense because Lowry running the offense is like a really good thing. Like he is just an incredibly savvy pick and roll player, underrated passer and an unbelievable pull up shooter. And I think he's basically displayed that entire arsenal in the first three games. His defense has looked really good in the first three games too. He had some segments of that Boston game where he just like, 
completely snuffed out like pick and rolls or like mm-hmm. stopped Kyrie on the perimeter. Again, maybe that speaks more to Kyrie's explosiveness right now. I don't know. But yeah, Kyle's been really good. And I just think that that game in Washington especially really highlighted how deep, like just how good this Raptors team is top to bottom where like they can go on the road against like a not great but solid playoff team yeah. um, on the second night of a back-to-back without Kawhi and they can still go in there and arguably be the better team like roster-wise oh, still the, be the better team and I'm not saying, the better team I'm not even talking about performance-wise I'm talking yeah. about like the roster they brought into that game without Kawhi Leonard was better than the roster the Wizards were bringing into that game like yeah. that's just how good and how deep this team is and it's going to be very, very hard to beat them, like on most nights, no matter who we're talking about, because they just have so many, like NBA caliber rotation guys and like rotation talent that they can just keep rolling out at you and throwing at you, and they can give you different looks on both sides of the ball. Like, I can't imagine what it's like to game plan against this team right now. One, uh, one very positive uh, trend for the Raptors that might not sustain itself throughout the year, but uh, Serge Ibaka, Mafuzi, Mafuzi has. Um, He's he's found his new position, man, at center. It looks he looks really good at center. I think defensively he's way more impactful. He's just in the middle of way more plays, whereas last year he's the power forward and kind of just off to the side. Um, but Nick Nurse has done a good job of just selling that position to JV and Yon- and uh, and Serge and just telling them like, hey, against a spacier guy like Al Horford, we're gonna go with Serge. And against a traditional center like Jan Mahimni or Tristan Thompson, we're gonna go with JV and. Those two have bought into the situation. Neither of them have complained. Serge has been a guy who started his entire career, has not complained one bit. Same thing with JV. And they both played really well. I mean, JV was good last season too, but Serge this year has come on really strong. Um, He even had a nice game in the second half of back-to-back, which just never happens for Serge. So um, the Raptors off to a good start, man. Yeah, and I wrote about this uh, after that Celtics game, just kind of about uh, the different approach the Raptors are taking to their big man rotation this year and, like, specifically the center spot and, and splitting up Ibaka and JV. And like, I, Ibaka is notoriously inconsistent. They can't really rely on him having the sort of performance that he had in that game against the Celtics. That was frankly one of his best games oh. in a Raptors uniform. But the, changing that look, and, and I know it, it's not like Dwayne Casey wouldn't do this either, but he started those two guys together pretty much every game last year. And even if it was just for a few minutes a game, like, those minutes can be damaging against a team that's trying to stretch you out. And the Raptors have struggled for a long time playing against stretch fives. Mm -hmm. We've seen it against Kevin Love in the playoffs. Like, those five outlooks have given them a lot of trouble. And Ibaka wasn't great defensively in that game. Horford still got free a lot out of the pick and pop. Horford almost had a triple-double. Yeah, like, he was... And he missed a lot of open threes, you know, that, like, Serge didn't really have anything to do with that. But... I do think like that is a more viable strategy playing against those kind of lineups, you know, with a stretchy big. And if he can continue to have those kind of performances, then that's going to change the dynamic of that matchup a lot. On the Kawhi front too, like I know we talked, he's not shooting the ball well, but I think you really see like how the game slows down for him, like a player of his caliber, and he sees things. And after the Celtics game, I actually. Uh, talked to Jason Tatum for a couple minutes in the locker room and he was talking about because you know last year as a rookie he didn't match up with Kawhi because Kawhi missed the whole year and it was pretty cool to talk to Tatum because Tatum like had almost like genuine uh, wonder uh, about matching up with Kawhi and saying that like Kawhi's like um, not necessarily bigger than he thought he was but like he really appreciated his size when matching up with him and then he made this comment that the tough thing with Kawhi based on his first meeting with him is that he just always makes the right read mm-hmm. and it was interesting to hear him say that you know he said like he might not make the shot or the guy he's giving the ball to you know there might be a turnover or whatever but he's like the decision Kawhi makes is always the right one yeah 
And it's also really encouraging that Kawhi was able to go extended minutes in both his first two games for the Raptors. And then the Raptors actually then came through with a proactive decision where they looked at the schedule. They had four games in six nights. They told him to rest and not play that Wizards game that was on the road. And so now, you know, he's fresh and he's able to play these long minutes. And, you know, this is after only playing nine games last year. And the Raptors also showing a proactive approach. Just, you know, you want to ease him in a little bit. So... Um, things are very positive right now, but obviously this is only through one week of the season. Um, we can revisit some of these storylines as the year goes on, I'm sure. Um, with that said, that's probably the end of the podcast here. Cash, Wolf, on anything else? Yeah, I think your outro is good enough. Well, thank you to everyone for listening, and we'll be back next week with more Pound the Rock. Pound the Rock.